Welcome to another episode of He's Not Done Yet. We are so delighted that y'all have tuned in today. You know, He's Not Done Yet is a radio ministry that goes out on Victory Radio Station uh, 100.9, 95.3, and then 1530 AM. And then as well as it goes out on Faith Talk on 99.5 on Tuesdays. And uh, it's out at Tuesday at 6 p.m. And then it's replayed again on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We'd love to invite you to the First Pentecostal Church. We have church on Sunday morning at 1030. And then we're back for Sunday evening. And if you're only having service on one uh, time on Sunday, we'd love for y'all to come visit on Sunday night, and uh, I promise you, you'll thoroughly enjoy it. And then as well as we have our midweek service on uh, Tuesday at 7 p.m., feel free to go to he'snotdoneyet.com, he'snotdoneyet.com, as well as you can tune in on YouTube, Spotify, and all the media outlets. We'd love for you to... Tune in, and then, of course, you can text me at 501-339-8017. Well, today's scripture comes from Micah 7 and 7. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the Lord of my salvation. My God will hear me. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I just thank you for today, God. I honor you, Lord. I pray today that this would fall on good ground, Lord, and we love you. Oh, in your precious name, Jesus, amen. Can we lift up our voices and praise his name? He's worthy. Oh, lift up your voice and praise his name. Jesus, we lift up our voice to you. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, you are
Today is a special day, and um, I have one of my heroes here today, somebody that I dearly love, somebody I look up to and admire, um, and uh, Dr. Ward, we are so honored that you're here today, Lord, and uh, we'd love for you to uh, come in and obey the, the Holy Ghost today, brother. Sure. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, they say if you do a job poorly enough, you never have to do it again. <laughs> and apparently the first time I was here, I didn't do a poor enough job. So we'll see if we can remedy that today. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I went through the list of people you've had on here. And it's just, you know, incredible story after incredible story that you've had on your podcast. And, um, you know, I think back, probably my favorite episode. Well, I probably shouldn't say who my favorite was. You've had so many, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, 
brother Brandon Keith just, oh, you know, man. blows your mind every time he talks. And just, his was so good. And then I looked at what I had written down for today and I thought, well, you know, sometimes you get cake and sometimes you get potatoes. <laughs> so we'll have some potatoes today, right? You can't live on cake alone. Um, so, you know, here we are few days into the new year and um, I, I love this time of year you get to just hit the reset button on everything you know uh, relationships finances prayer fasting you know you just really get to hit reset on everything and, and take a few days and think am I doing what I should be here am I doing what I should be doing there how can I do better um, and you know I I've been surrounded my whole life by very successful people. You can't walk in the doors of First Pentecostal Church and not be surrounded by success and people who are doing very well. And and I've been blessed to grow up in that and be exposed to that. And, you know, but we're all different. Humans are different. If we were all the same, it'd be a pretty boring life. And, you know, my best friend in the whole world, Dr. Aaron Roberts, is he, he's, a, he's a guy that's going to go get, if, if you're going to talk about success, he's going to go get the top 10 books on success. He's going to read every single one of them. He's going to take notes on them. He's going to study it copiously. He's going to pour over every word in the book, and he's going to come away with, here's 10 steps, and these are the things you need to do in this order, and you'll be successful. And he's right. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm that kind of guy that says, hey, they're doing something that's working. Let me try it. And then I try it and it doesn't work. And then I think, oh, it's because I didn't do it this way. Okay, let me try this. So thankfully for Dr. Roberts, he's a, uh, he, he can learn from people telling him things. I'm more of an experienced guy. I've got to go out and experience it myself and, and put a few bumps on my own head, which is a pretty frustrating you know, and so I always feel like he's a mile ahead of me and I'm trying to catch up to him. But I think that's why we're such good friends. We're complete opposite ends of the pole. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he inspires me to try to do a little bit better. And so this time of year, I always sit down and think, you know, I've got a list of 10 or 15 people that I just really would like to emulate areas of their life in my own life obviously bishop and pastor you know you aspire to even be a tenth of the the prayer warrior that either one of them are um and and the list goes on for different attributes um but i'm i'm said all that to say i'm not one of these guys that can live by platitudes out of a book somewhere you know the power of positive thinking now positive thinking i think is important You've got to be a positive person. Um, you can think negatively about things so often you become a negative person. I had a conversation yesterday uh, about negative thinking and how that can turn you into a person that sees how things can't work every time instead of trying to figure out, okay, well, that approach may not work, but where is an approach that will work, you know? And so you got to be so careful with that, but and positive thinking is important, but positive thinking alone is not going to get you anywhere. And I, again, am more of a practical application kind of guy. You know, I, I, my background is in science, 
and we could sit in the classroom and learn all the theory in the world. But until I got out there and actually did the experiment myself, it wasn't fully solidified. But if I could ever get my hands on it and do it, you know, you couldn't make me forget it, you know. And, and so um, I've got four things here today that are not platitudes. They're not trite, uh, overly used, um, just little sayings. There are four things that I've put into practice in my life that have helped me. And, you know, I'm pretty simple. Um, things have got to be spelled out pretty clearly for me. And, um, but I do think if somebody gives me something simple and practical that I can put in into practice right now and I can see results right now, Okay, I can do that, right? And so these four things have helped me um, grow and become better. Um, now, these four principles that I'm going to talk with you about today are obviously founded on three um, basic tenets of being a Christian. And, of course, these are not going to surprise anybody. If you've stepped in the doors of FBC, these, these three will come as no surprise to you. Number one, Daily prayer, right? You can do all the things in the world, but if you're not praying, you're just hitting a, a block wall every single day. Now, you, and you're not going to get through the wall. You're just going to keep banging your head into it. So daily prayer. Uh, the other one is daily Bible reading. If you're not reading the Word daily, you know, how, how better to, to learn the mind and the heart of God than to read what He thought was important enough to write down I mean, if he thought it was important enough to put it down and preserve it for thousands of years, the least we could do is read it, right, and say, hey, you're trying to talk to me. Let me, let me see what you're trying to say. And then the third one, of course, is um, weekly fasting. You know, think about it. If you fast one day a week for an entire year, you fasted 52 days, almost two months in one year, you know, you see be a big, uh, big undertaking to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to eat for all of January and most of February, right? <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I, you know, I wouldn't make it, you know, I'm, I'm a, a speed faster. I can break a fast. I can finish a, I can finish a 24 hour fast in six hours. You know, I'm just, I'm efficient like that. Um, but you think 52 days and then you multiply that by, you know, however many people are in your church, 10. That's 520 days. That's over a year of fasting. You got 100 people in your church, 5,200 days of fasting. You got 1,000 people, 52,000 days of fasting. I mean, it's just, you don't think that's going to get God's attention. And, you know, it's just, it's another one of the spiritual disciplines, but it's a, it's a true discipline. If you can't discipline your, your most base desires as a human, you know, you look at Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. It's food, water, sleep, um, you know, and then as we go up, um, the things become less important uh, or we need less of them. But on that base level, it's food and water and sleep. And if you can deprive yourself, your flesh of, of that, that urge to eat, hey, I'm hungry. Well, you know what? You're not going to eat today. You know, um, if you can do that, you can be disciplined in so many other areas you can't have that discipline it's really hard to apply discipline in other areas you know um so anything i say today would be built on those three prayer fasting bible reading but after you've started with that baseline 
Um, these four principles are things that have helped me. They may not help anybody else. They may help one other person. They may help a few people. Um, but they're things that I try to, kind of rules I try to live by in my life. The first one is do the right thing. And I've added a little piece to that. That used to be it. It used to be do the right thing. But now it's do the right thing every time. Because it's easy to do the right thing sometimes, right? Um, but doing the right thing every time is very hard. Um, and I'll be quite honest with you today. I don't always meet that goal. I try to. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's right. it's tough to do the right thing every single time. Um you know, and and that can be as easy and as simple as when I was in high school, we had a uniform, we had a dress code, and we would always say, okay, what can I do to be within code but just on the line? You know, we'd find that gray area. And so it was, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear my Friday uniform and, and I'm going to wear a tie. But I'm going to wear the ugliest, most terrible tie you've ever seen. I'm going to tie it in a hideous knot. I'm going to tie it about this long. And then I'm going to leave the back part down to my knees. Were we doing the right thing? By the letter, sure, we had a tie on. But by the, the spirit of that law, absolutely not. We were being punks, you know. And, and so then, you know, we had to be reined in on that. And then it was, I'm going to roll my sleeves up. What was the point of that? Just being hard-headed teenagers, you know? And then it, so they had made a new rule. Can't roll your sleeves up before lunchtime. And then it was, well, I'm going to untuck the back of my shirt. You know, like I was just sitting at a desk and got up. I'll leave the front tucked in. You know, just goofy stuff. But when we started doing the right thing, you know, one day I just, we, <laughs> it's so funny. You go so far into trying to be rebellious that you get all the way back. And I said, well, Let's just wear the right tie, keep our sleeves down, tuck our shirt in, and let's just we'll mess with them that way like we want to do right. And all of a sudden, they started being nicer to us, and they let us have a little more freedom. And I thought, well, you know what? This, this is working. <laughs> you know, uh, they were respecting that we were respecting the policy, and when we did what we were supposed to do, we got more leniency to, you know, leave and go get a good lunch and come back to school or whatever, you know. So that opened my eyes to, hey, if you do the right thing, you're going to get back more of what you want. And then, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but those rules and policies weren't there just to be rules and policies. I got outside of our Christian private school, and I got out into the college world and then later into the workforce, and I realized tucking your shirt in and showing up on time, you're already, if you've done those two things, you're better than 80, 90% of the people that are competing for that job that you want, you know? I can't tell you the times I've seen people show up in, you know, blue jeans and a t-shirt for a job interview. And then you think if there's a guy in blue jeans and t-shirt and there's a guy in a suit and it's for the same job and they have the same skills and the same training and the same education... I'm going for the guy in the suit, you know. Um, an interesting story about that, uh, there was a guy that worked with my mom for years at the uh, VA hospital. 
and he worked in the mailroom. And everybody in the mailroom um, wore basically pajamas to work, slippers and, you know, ball pants and T-shirts, whatever. And uh, not this guy, though. He wore a suit and tie and dress shoes, polished, shined, every day. And they gave him a hard time for it. They said, what are you doing? We're down here in the basement. We're sorting mail. Nobody cares. And he said, well, you know, here's the deal. This isn't the job I want. I want to be up there in the office making the decisions. So I'm dressing for that job every single day. Well, when it came time for their boss to retire and somebody to get promoted, who do you think got promoted? Yeah, the guy in the suit is now the guy in the office that requires the suit, right? So he was just doing the right thing. Um, You know, we hear Bishop talk all the time about doing the right thing. And how do you know what the right thing is? That was my big question as a a young person was, well, he says do the right thing. How do I know what the right thing is? Well, he gives you that formula too, right? The very thing you want to do the right thing's probably the opposite of it, right? right. You know, and, and, and that's not a, a struggle that's unique to young men or young women or old men or old women or spiritual or unspiritual. I think that's a common thread throughout humanity. You know, look at Paul. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I hate, I do. And, and the things I want to love, I don't. I can't do it, right? And, you know... You just want to, that, that flesh inside you just, oh, it one comes out and you got, oh, hey, back off of that, back off. Hey, that's not the right thing. You know, that's not the right response. And so, um, you know, an example of this, which is not, not me getting angry, but me doing the right thing one time. Now, this is the beauty of a podcast is I can do the wrong thing a hundred thousand times and I can come <laughs> on here and tell you about the one time I did the right thing. Um, but this is just an example from my own life. Um, obviously, not any tooting of my horn. It's if anything good comes out of me, it's because Pastor and Bishop put it in there, and it's just leaking back out. Um, but I was an audiologist for six and a half, seven years, and you know, you just deal with all kinds of people. There are people you love to see come through the door, and there are people you see come through the door, and you think, "Oh, tell them I'm at lunch." <laughs> you know, you've probably got that here. Um, but a guy came in, I didn't know him from Adam. He came in and he brought me a piece of medical equipment. He said, Hey, this is not working. Well, you know, what I should have said was, well, I'm sorry. You didn't purchase that here. I don't have a warranty on it. You know, you need to go wherever you got it and get it fixed. But, you know, Bishop has put it in me enough that, Hey, if you can help somebody, just help them. You know, you never know. So I said, okay, well, let me take a look at it. So I take it back in my office, and I'm looking at it, and I'm trying to take it apart and, and see what's going on. Well, as I'm taking it apart, I realize someone has broken it and pieced it back together. And as I'm taking it apart, it breaks almost to the point of no repair, right? Um, and so now I've broken it. So I go back to the guy and I say, listen, here's the deal. This is broken. I can't fix it in my office today. But i tell you what I'm going to do. And as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, why are you saying this? I said, I'm going to get it fixed for you, and I'll call you when it's ready. Okay. Uh, at this point, like, I'm paying for this guy's mistake. I'm going to pay for it. 
out of my own pocket. So he leaves, and the second he walks out the door, I think, man, I am an absolute moron. What am I? Just shut your mouth and say, I'm sorry, man, I can't help you. So anyway, I call uh, the rep for that company, which I had been fortunate enough to have a great relationship with. And I said, hey, man, look, here's the deal. This guy came in. I don't know him from Adam. This thing broke. I guess I broke it, even though I know I didn't. But okay, I'll take the blame. I broke it. What's it going to cost me to fix it? He said, well, let me look real quick. And he starts looking. He says, you know what? You've done such a volume this month. Just send me that one, and I'll just write it off, and I'll send you a brand new one. Great. You know, that's a... $4,000 I didn't have to spend, you know. So I call that patient back a week later when the brand new piece of equipment shows up. And I say, hey, look, here's the deal. I was trying to fix it. I broke it. I had a good relationship with the rep. Here you go. This is brand new, full, you know, three, four-year warranty, whatever it was. You're you're back in business. What do I owe you? Nothing. You know. I couldn't buy advertising to get that guy in the door, you know? But after that, I couldn't get him to quit sending me people, you know? And it turned out he wrote letters to all my bosses. This was great. He didn't have to do this, blah, 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 blah. He sent, I can't tell you, probably 15, 20 people to me who then all spent multiple thousands of dollars because I just did the right thing, you know? It wasn't like I had to, but I just said, you know, I'll, I'll do the right thing. Um, and it, it wasn't fun in the moment. I was not real happy about it when I agreed <laughs> to do the right thing. Um, but it worked out great, you know, and that's, that's God will do that. If you'll just step out, he'll, he'll make up the difference every single time. And there are multiple, multiple examples of things like that that I've experienced just myself just by doing the right thing. You know, people respect that, and uh, they're glad when you do the right thing. The second principle that I try to live my life by every single day, and again, I'm not 100% on any of these. That's what I'm striving for. Uh, but this one is leave it better than you found it. And that can go for anything. You know, that's all areas of life. You're walking through the sanctuary at church. You see a gum wrapper or a candy wrapper on the floor. Pick it up. You just left the church better than you found it. You know, Um you, you see a person who needs a little bit of help, and you help them a little bit. You left that person better than you found them. It's so simple as I was getting coffee this morning, and the girl was a little grouchy. She needed some coffee herself. <laughs> <laughs> and you just smile at her, say something kind, make her laugh a little bit. You just left her better than you found her, you know? And so um, that's the second principle. Uh, there's a, a quote, and, you know, you get on the internet, and you look up who said a quote, you get 50 different answers. So I don't know who said it, but it's a great quote. The man who does more than what he's paid to do will soon be paid for more than what he does. Um, and, and, yeah, that's a, that's a great quote to think about, you know, okay, well, how do I leave something better than I found it? Um, and, and, you know, Brother Pomeroy, the principal at the school, is a big fan of Leave It Better Than You Found It. Um, he drills it into the students there that, you know, you can you can just 
do little bitty things. And it doesn't even seem like it would matter, but people notice. Hey, he picked that wrapper up. He held that door for that person. He noticed that there was some debris in front of the door and he got something, swept it out of the way so people wouldn't track it in the church or whatever. You know, just little bitty things that you can leave better than you found them. Um, Jana and I have flipped a few houses and, you know, we're not house flippers. When we bought our first house, I owned a screwdriver and a hammer. That was it. Zero power tools. I mean, I didn't know the first thing. Thank God for YouTube. You know, <laughs> I would literally, I'd say, hey, we're going to lay this tile in here tomorrow. And I would stay up all night long watching tiling videos on YouTube. The next morning, I'd get up, I'd lay that tile, and I'd say, something doesn't look right. And then I'd watch one more YouTube video, and I'd say, be sure you don't, blah, 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 the thing I had just done. And I'd, go, oh, my gosh. I'd tear it out. I knew what not to do now. I'd do it again. I'd relay it. And so uh, God really blessed us through that. You know, God will bless, even if you're ignorant of how to do something, if you'll get out there and just start working and just put some faith into action, God will bless you. And I'm a prime example of that. I'm an absolute moron when it comes to anything building. But I can research and I can figure out how to do something. And I can do it two or three times till I get it right. And um, so those houses that we flipped, you know, in my opinion, we left them better than we found them. And because we had added value, people were willing to add value back monetarily to us for those houses that we had left better than we found them. So that's been a, a, a great guiding principle in my life is, you know, no matter what you get, you know, you think about pastor being, go, going from uh, the church, from bishop as the pastor, then going to pastor. What do you think? Bishops, he's a legend. After Jesus, he's probably the greatest man that's ever lived in this world, in my opinion, <laughs> you right. know? Um he truly is on an absolute pedestal. Like, everything he does is the best. Um, but then you think, pastor now is the pastor, and he's making it better. How can you improve on the best? Right. But he's doing it, right? He's making things better. Um, which, you know, doesn't even make sense. It's already the best. But the best can get better, That's you know? And this, you pull everybody up. You know, high tide raises all ships. Um, and so it's interesting that no matter how good something is, it doesn't mean that it's bad if you make it better. It can be the best there is, but everything can get a little bit better. And again, bishop and pastor are the absolute experts at doing that. Number three, uh, this one I stole directly from bishop, but I use it every single day. If you don't know what to do in a situation, don't do anything. That's exactly what to do. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Now, you got to take that with a grain of salt. You can get analysis paralysis and never do anything in your life ever, right? Um, so there's got to be balance. But I cannot tell you the times. Sometimes doing things can make a situation not, not even better or, or the same. It can sometimes make it ten times worse, you know? Um, I can't tell you the times that I've been in a situation I didn't know what to do. I couldn't get direction. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I hear this little, 
just wait. Just wait. Just don't. And that's not in our human nature. Everything, especially today, we've got instant macaroni and cheese. We've got instant mashed potatoes. We got a micro. We're the microwave generation, right? Everything now, 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 now. And now, the generation behind us, Gen Z, they want things before they know they want them, right? We've gotten AI so smart at predicting things that I don't want it when I want it. When I think about it, I want it to already be there. When I think about a hamburger, I want them ringing the doorbell, DoorDash. Here's your hamburger, sir. You know, like, we don't want to wait on anything. And again, it's just contrary to our nature, but stop. Just wait. Just see what, and that that waiting, mm, it's tough. It's hard. You think fasting's bad. You just wait on a life decision, <laughs> you know? It's hard. Um, but in that waiting, a lot of times, the situation will just fix itself. You know, it's just interesting how many times in life I've watched a situation. I've had four, five, six clear-cut solutions. We need to do this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and that's going to fix that. Or, if we don't want to do that, this, 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 and this. And my wife, you know, she's... (laughs) I've got the best wife on earth, and I love her to pieces. And we are exact opposites. I don't worry about anything in life. I literally just wake up and live that day. She has got a five-minute plan, a five-hour plan, a five-year plan, a five-decade plan. I mean, she is a planner. And she is a, I guess it, to some extent, she wor- she's a worrier. Not that she's anxious, but she's just, well, what if this happens? If this happens, we've got this, 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 and this plan. But if that doesn't happen, what if this thing happens? I've got this, 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 this. And she's got a plan. She's got plans for her plans, you know? And I'm just like, whatever, you know? And I tell her, I know she gets sick of hearing it, but I, I say it probably on a daily basis. Look, everything's worked out before. If we're praying, fasting, living right, doing right, it's going to work out again. I don't know how it's going to work out. I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't see a solution. But God's going to work it out. I'm just going to trust God, and I'm going to have a good day, you know? <laughs> and she says, well, that's great, but I'm going to have a plan, you know? <laughs> it's, it's just, it's how God designed it. We're just completely opposite, but it works. Um, but she'll have a plan, and she'll say, you know, she'll call me, 10 a.m., we need to do this, and then after that, we need to have this and this, we need to get this and put this in effect. And I'll say, well, you know, okay, we'll think about that. She'll call me back, 1045. You know what? I thought about it. We need to do this and this and this and that. We don't need to do that. We need to do this. Okay, well, whatever you think, you know, and I don't do anything. And then two days later, the situation has resolved itself, and we never did a single thing, you know. Um, and, And I can't tell you the times that we've let God fix it, and we hadn't messed it up. You know, it's the old song, God unfolds the rose. You try to unfold it, it's hideous mess but if you'll just wait that rose will unfold and just be beautiful um so that's the third one is when you don't know what to do do nothing um and again that's got to be in balance you can't sit around your whole life doing nothing sometimes you got to take action you know david was a man of action um but look at abner um you look at uh, joab those were men of action but they were men of too too quick action Look at Peter. I mean, 
mean, he was he was quick on the literally quick on the draw. Yeah. You know, cut the high priest servant's ear off. Um, he probably should have waited in that moment. But God fixed that too. You know, sometimes when we do jump the gun, God still will fix it. So, you know, even if you've messed something up, God can definitely fix it for you. Um, but it's a lot better when he just does it and you stay out of the mix, you know. Right. <laughs> it's like Jana tells me, just get out of the kitchen. Quit messing with the recipe, get out of the kitchen. When it's ready, I'll let you know, you know. She's good at baking and I'm real good at eating it. And so we know our places. And the fourth one um, has literally, this is, this is the thing that has, I, I, I cannot, this is not hyperbole. Um, I can't overstate this enough. This is the thing. It literally changed my entire life. Um, just it, it was a revelation I had one day. And I know it's, it's not a revelation to anybody else. It's like, duh. But to me, it was a revelation. Uh, I had just literal epiphany almost. Um, and that's giving to the church. Um, I would hear these stories of men bishop when he was the pastor got up and said hey we're gonna you know under the leading of the holy ghost as he was preaching one sunday morning he said if we're gonna we're gonna build on that freeway 10 men are gonna have to give a hundred thousand dollars and what they do 10 men stepped up to the plate and wrote the check and bishop said it they didn't have it right then but they wrote the check and they said we're gonna go get it and they did every single one of them went and got it and recently you know we've heard pastors say uh, if if we're going to go across the freeway, 10 men are going to have to give a million dollars. And I imagine, I don't know, but I would assume that several men stepped up and wrote checks, you know, um, and they probably don't have it at the most. Some of, them, some of them may, I don't know. But I would assume at least a couple of them that wrote the check don't have it at the moment, but they said, hey, we're going to go get it. And I, I grew up hearing those stories of those men. And I grew up, you know, so blessed. I don't even realize it until I look back on it now. But we've had the personal growth class at First Pentecostal Church now for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And, you know, people would pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go to these seminars when here we've got personal growth class at our disposal free. Not only free, they're providing dinner, so we'll show up and eat dinner and then go learn something, you know. But I would hear men like Brother Norman Clifton, and it seemed so unattainable. Well, I bought this warehouse over here for $2 million, and I turned around and sold it for $6 million. Well, where'd you get the $2 million, you know? <laughs> and I've joked with Brother Pomeroy often, you know, Brother Dean Martin's book, How to Turn 10000 into a $1 million in 10 years. I said, somebody needs to write the prequel for me, How to Turn $100 into $10,000, you know? <laughs> Um, and there are plenty of ways, obviously. Go get a lawnmower and turn it into 10000 real quick you know, and get some lawns or something. But um, I just, you know, I would hear these men, Brother Stephen Haney, well, you know, I bought this 500-acre farm and I split it into three-acre lots and now I've got, you know, 470 customers spread out across all of, you know, whatever, White County. Well, how'd you buy the farm? You know, and it just seemed so unattainable, and it frustrated me. I, I about got a bad attitude about it. Number one, I was like, well, that's great. That works for you. You got a bunch of money. You can go do those things. And number two, you can give big checks because you've been able to go do those things. I can't give a big check, you know. 
And it made me not not frustrated at them. I was happy for them. I wanted to learn from them and give me your secrets and, and teach me. And those men are such big men that that's what they're doing. Hey, I'm giving you the secret. Here's exactly here's the plan. I'll give you exactly how I did it. I'll help you call the banker. I'll, they're big men creating their own competition. What I was getting upset about was I want to be able to give. I I, I don't have a hundred thousand dollars. I probably there were weeks I couldn't give a hundred dollars. You know, and it just it frustrated me. I was mad about it. not mad, but just just trouble, just stirred up. Pastor said he needs me to write a hundred thousand dollar check. I'd have to sell everything I own. <laughs> After I paid the debt off, I give him twelve dollars and eighty two cents, you know. And so it just it frustrated me. And it was like the Lord just one day just opened my eyes to it. You know, what's the most valuable commodity in this world? You print all the money in the world. You want you go over to uh, is it Zimbabwe? I think it's Zimbabwe where bread is like three million dollars because the currency is worth nothing. I mean, it's a wheelbarrow full of cash to buy a loaf of bread. You know, um, I probably got the country wrong, but it's some uh, sub-Saharan country. It's you know the the, the currency is just worth nothing. And God kind of scolded me a little bit and said, you're over here being a crybaby about you can't give this money. What, what do you have that's more valuable than money? Well, I don't know. What do I have that's more valuable than money? Well, you've got the exact same thing that every multi-billionaire in this world has got. The homeless man has it and the multi-billionaire have it, and that's 24 hours in the day. We've all got the same 20. I don't have the same bank account, but I got the same 24 hours. When you think about it, these billionaires, what are they trying to do? They're spending all their money trying to live longer, right? Time is the only thing. We can, you, know, you can get more land. You can get more gold. You can get more dirt pits. You can get more anything, more cars, more houses, more real estate. You can't get more time. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ward. Hadn't you been blessed? I'm telling you what, I... I'm over here taking notes. I, I'm telling you, I'm so excited about putting these uh, principles in place. And, uh, you know, you you really have uh, spoke to me today, brother. I'm telling you that uh, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Is Because uh, I have found myself uh, through my life that I don't know what to do. And, uh, you know kind of in that spot today and so brother i appreciate you speaking into my life today and i know you're speaking into so many other people's lives today and we are just so thankful you you got to come and i know you're very busy and um, we just are so thankful that you that you came and we're going to invite our pastor in and he's going to sing a song called worth hallelujah You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleared me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be
can't 